It um, may occur to you as we read through this psalm that those songs that we sang at the beginning of the service tonight may well have been initiated and promoted and this psalm may well have sparked them if you can sort of remember what the songs were. Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words where their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he's pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a groom coming from the bridal chamber. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end, and nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, which comes from the honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them. There is great reward in keeping them. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleanse from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Second reading is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 14. It's on page 1096. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know that those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to be judge, who's going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, proclaim the message, persist in it whether convenient or not, rebuke correct and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, be serious about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfil your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks, Peter, and thanks, Jane. Good evening. My name is Paul, if we haven't met before. It's lovely to see you. A happy New Year to you all. Uh, it's January. We're going to be looking at Psalms in January. So this week, looking at Psalm 40. Uh, next week, sorry, this week's Psalm 19. Next week, Psalm 40. Uh, Psalm 40 is about God's uh, God being our rock. Oh, John Lawrence is there. Hey, welcome. If you don't know, John, John is one of our mission partners. Uh, he's in, in, in Malawi. How long, how long are you back for? Six weeks. Do say hello to John afterwards. Sorry, uh, Psalm 40 is about God being our rock and our refuge and our protector. Uh, Psalm uh, 96 in the third week of January is about uh, the bigness of God and how his message goes out to the whole world. And then uh, Psalm 51 on the long weekend about uh, forgiveness of God, the God who forgives us of our sins. But tonight we're looking at Psalm 19. Uh, if you know me, you know that I love to sing. Uh, and I love just to praise God. You know, one of my favorite hymns is, um, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works I hand have made. I see the stars and I hear the rolling thunder. Your mighty power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my saviour God to thee. How, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my saviour God to thee. How great thou art. Do you ever think that as you wander around God's world? As you see the harbour glistening on a beautiful summer's day, do you actually praise your creator? As you surf the waves at, at Manly, are, are you praising the God who created all things? As you hear the birds in the, the trees, are you praising your creator? As you, as you feel the rain or you hear the wind, do you praise your creator? Does your heart sing to him? It should do. It really should do. We're in Psalm 19 tonight, and C.S. Lewis described Psalm 19 as one of the greatest poems in the Psalter, one of the greatest lyrics in the world. It's all about God's creation and God's word, and the fact that as you look at the world and look at the word, you can know God. And can I encourage you tonight as you wander around God's world, lift your eyes, open your eyes to see how glorious God really is. I'm going to watch a video, but we've got no projector, so I'm going to ask you to turn around and look at the back screen. And just think about how, how big and how glorious God really is. Whispering your name 
say there is no God. And when you see the snow-capped mountaintops, and when you see the smallest, most minuscule amoeba, how can you say there is no God? And when you see the, the surf pounding against the beach, or you see the intricacies of a, of a snowflake, everyone perfect and unique, how can you say there is no God? Now, as we sit here tonight in this little tiny building in Kiribati in Australia, there are wild animals wandering in jungles that you will never, ever visit, all created by the hands of a majestic God. There are babies being born across, across the continents today, perfectly created by God. There are tribes of people that you will never meet, speaking languages that you will never understand, all created by our amazing, majestic, glorious God. Let's open our eyes to how big he is, how awesome he really is. How can you say there is no God? As Psalm 19 tells us that God reveals himself, God speaks to us, God shouts to us through his world, through his creation. God's world reveals God's glory. See that in verse 1? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. This is Hebrew poetry, so the the second line re-emphasizes the first line. They're in parallel, if you want. So the heavens is parallel with the sky, and the glory of God is parallel with the work of his hands. And the psalmist is just saying that as you look at the heavens, you look at the sky, it is proclaiming, it is shouting, it is declaring the glory of God. I know in Australia we look at the sky lots. We're kind of obsessed with weather. We're obsessed with weather forecasts and weather predictions and the 24-hour forecast and the seven-day forecast. And, and the psalmist would say, as you look to the skies... Yeah, be concerned about the weather, but go beyond that. Think about the God who created this whole universe and give him the glory. Because the skies declare that he really is glorious. What does that word glory in verse 1 mean? The heavens declare the glory of God. It's kind of a religious word, isn't it? Glory. We talk about God's glory, we sing about God's glory, but do you know what it means? 
could you define what that word glory really means? It's used over 300 times in the Bible, over 50 times in the Psalms. It's really hard to define. In the Old Testament, it kind of means the, the gravitas of God, the, the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, the, the worthiness of God. Uh, so it's used in Proverbs 27 to talk about a heavy stone, a, a glorious stone, a, a weighty stone. It's used in 2 Samuel to describe Samson's hair, heavy hair, weighty hair. It's used in Psalm 38 to describe uh, a heavy burden, a weighty burden that, that weighs you down. That is God's glory. It's his weightiness, his gravity, his worthiness, his substance, if you want. Uh, the New Testament uses it more like we use it. Now, the, the fame, the splendor, the prestige, the reputation of God. And put those two together. Uh, the glory of God is... His weighty fame, his worthy splendor, his gravitas that is just terrific and glorious. And the psalmist says, every time you see the stars, every time you see the sun, every time you see the sky, you're supposed to say, wow, our God is like that. Now you get a glimpse of it. In those picturesque sceneries of mountaintops, that kind of warms your heart, doesn't it? You get a glimpse of it. I hope you got a glimpse of it in those thunderstorms before Christmas. You know, the extraordinary pictures of, of lightning and rain. And amazing photographs taken. But please don't just look at the photographs. Lift your eyes above the photograph to the creator God. And go, wow, how glorious is our God. Well, let me just push your imagination a bit further. So we are one tiny galaxy amongst 15 million galaxies. And if you chose to leave the city and go to the outback, and on the clearest of nights, you, with your naked eye, you could see about, about 2,500 stars, which is about 0.0000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
whether you awake at two in the morning and you can't sleep and you open your curtains and go, look at the sky and go, wow, how glorious is God. Christ is like God's masterpiece. He speaks to us. And the thing about creation is that everyone can see it. Wherever you are in the world, you can see God's creation. And simply that means that there is no excuse. No one can hide from God. No one can say, oh, I I never knew God existed. No one can walk up to God on the last day and say, oh, sorry, God. Uh, I, I just didn't know that you existed. You could have made yourself a bit clearer. That's what the psalmist makes really clear in verses 3 and 4. Creation speaks. There's no speech, there's no words, literally where their voice is not heard. There's no message, sorry, their message has gone out to all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Creation's message, creation's words speaks to all the earth. Whether you're in deepest, darkest Africa. If John Lawrence is looking at the sunrise or the sunset in Malawi or we're here in Sydney, God is speaking to us and saying, I'm here. I made all of this. Now, when you look at the sky, what's the one thing that dominates the sky? What's the one thing that's always there? The sun? We felt its heat today, haven't we? Look what verse 4 says. In the heavens, that's in the skies, God has pitched a tent for the sun. I love that picture. It's a picture of, of God in, on his throne thinking, here's the sun. I'm just holding it in the palm of my hand. And I think I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put the sun just there. And the moon's going to go there. And the earth is going to go here. And I'll surround it by stars. And I know exactly where they are. I control them all. And the thing about the sun, it, it rises in one place. It sets in the next. It rises from one end of the heavens, verse 6. It circles to the other. And nothing is hidden from its heat. No matter where you are, you can either see the sun or feel its heat. The sun's always there. No one can miss it. And so it is with God. God is always there. And no one can miss him. Because he's shouting, he's declaring his glory every day through his creation. I say it again, there's no excuse. No one can say, I never knew you existed, God. If you're here tonight and you're saying, oh, I'm not sure if God exists, God will say to you, just open your eyes. Open your eyes to creation. Who who do you think made it? As you feel the heat on your back, as you feel the rain that refreshes you, as you smell the breeze, as you hear the birds sing, as you see the water on the harbor, who do you think made all that? This psalm is actually quoted in Romans chapter 10. Difficult chapter, Romans 10. What about those who haven't heard about Jesus? Paul says these words. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So people need to hear the gospel, yes. But, he says, I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Quote from Psalm 19. Their voice has gone out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. He's saying, 
As far as hearing about Jesus, let, let God be the judge of that. But everybody has heard about God through creation. Romans 1 verse 20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made from creation so that people are without excuse. No one can say, I never knew God existed. But for most of us here, we do know God exists. But my question is, are you regularly, regularly awestruck by the glory of God? Sometimes our faith can be a bit intellectual, can't it? A bit contractual. But we're supposed to walk around with our eyes wide open. As we walk on the beach, as we walk in the mountains, as we walk around the harbour, you see the moon and the stars and the mountains and the sea creatures and the animals and the, the jacaranda trees. You're supposed to say, wow, how great is our God. Please, please enjoy God's creation. Don't, don't worship it. Worship the creator. God's world reveals his glory. But God's revelation through creation is quite limited. If all we had is creation, then we'd go, oh, God is big. God is powerful, but he's probably a bit distant and a bit remote. I couldn't possibly know him. And just as a son gives you physical life, so the word of God and the spirit of God gives you spiritual life. And that's our second point tonight, that the God's word reveals God to us. You see, creation tells you a certain amount about God, but the word of God tells you so much more. And the second half of the psalm is all about scripture, all about the word of God. So let me ask you right up front in 2015. What's your attitude towards the Word of God? What's your attitude towards the Scriptures, towards the Bible? You know, when you're handed a Bible and you're coming to church, is, is your heart sort of rejoicing? Wow, I've got the Bible in my own language. As you look at the Bibles in your homes, you think, wow, if I just picked that up and opened it, I could hear God speak. We're going to watch another video about a tribe who are receiving the New Testament for the first time. This is just a few years ago. So turn around. Let's watch this video.
And they just warm your heart. Just the delight. Just the joy that those people have from having the scriptures in their own tongue. It kind of, I don't know, shames me, I guess. I feel embarrassed that it's taken for granted. I've probably got about 40 copies of the Bible sitting around various bookshelves in my office in my house. And the last time when I was just sort of dancing with joy that having God speak to me through the Scriptures in my own language. Because the Word of God is precious. It's the best word to describe it. It's precious. As God speaks to us through the Scriptures, this is Precious. Look at the nouns that David uses to describe God's word in verses 7 to 9. Verse 7, he says, the instruction of the Lord. Verse 7, again, the testimony of the Lord. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord. Verse 8, the command of the Lord. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord. And verse 9, again, the ordinances of the Lord. He's saying that the word of God with its instructions and testimonies and precepts and commands and covenants and authoritative words and words of encouragement. And that is the Bible. Different genres, the poetry, history, gospel, letters, apocalyptic. It's all from God. It's all about God. It's all God speaking to us. Because this, the Bible, the word of God is the inspired, breathed out very word of God. And we've got it in English. Not just, not just uh, Matthew to Revelation, but Genesis to Revelation. Yeah, the Bible is still the best-selling book in the world. It gets bad press, and I think even amongst Christians, we kind of lack luster towards the Bible. 
See how the psalmist describes it, verse 7, the, the instruction of the Lord is, is perfect. It's a great word. When God speaks, it's flawless. There's no imperfections. Uh, when God speaks, verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is, is trustworthy. You can rely on it. It is certain. It is firm. It is sure. It's beyond questioning, beyond doubt. God will keep his word. Uh, when God speaks in verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. They are correct. They are straight down the line. They, they might not be uh, politically correct. They might not be trendy. But they're right. When God speaks in verse 8, the command of the Lord is radiant. I love that one. Like a pure bright light that lightens up your world. When God speaks, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is, is pure, clean. When God speaks, verse 9, they are reliable, dependable, like a rock that cannot be shaken, like a trusted friend who will never let you down. That is the word of God. In an ever-changing world, God's word never changes. In a, world that, in a world that lacks trust, God's word is trustworthy. In a messed up world, God's word is flawless and perfect and radiant. And God speaks not just to satisfy your, I don't know, your intellectual concerns. Not so you can get your Bachelor of Theology. God speaks so that you can know him personally. Isn't that extraordinary that you could know the glorious creator personally? That you can have a real relationship with him, that you could call him your, your rock and your redeemer, verse 14? So I'll ask you again, what's your attitude towards the word of God? How different your Christian life might be, how different this church would be if we were like the psalmist. How different your life would be if you really believe. Verse 7. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. The word of God is perfect. It renews my life. Verse 7. It literally revives my soul. It re reinvigorates me. It restores my flagging soul. My flagging spirit. It feeds me. It nourishes me. You ever had that feeling of you reach three o'clock in the afternoon and you've, you've skipped lunch and you wonder why you're grumpy and irritable. And you take that first bite of the chicken and avocado sandwich or the apple or the banana and within minutes you just feel good again. You feel better. That's what the word of God does when you feed on it. Just a few moments with God in his word and it, it renews your soul. It restores your soul. Can you imagine how different your life would be if you really believed verse 7b? That the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. It makes the inexperienced wise. It gives us wisdom. Because, friends, we don't know it all. We don't know it all, but God does. And when you approach the Bible, a bit of a simpleton, saying, God, I need your wisdom. I need you to teach me. I need to know what you're like. I need to know how to behave. Because by myself, I'll keep making stupid, foolish decisions. That's what the word of God does. It makes us wise. How different this church would be if we believed, verse 8, that the word of God makes the heart glad 
as we sit under the word, as we read the word of God, we see God in his glory and our hearts are glad, our hearts rejoice, our very beings are satisfied with God and his goodness and his godness and his glory. How different this church would be if we really believe, verse 8b, that the word of God is radiant, making the eyes light up. We see clearly. We see in the light. There's sort of aha moments. Wow! I get it now. I see it now. Wow, God, I didn't see it before. How good this church would be if we really believe that the, the word endured forever, verse 9. It doesn't change. It has no shelf life. How good it would be if we believe verse 9 is altogether righteous. God is the author, so everything he writes is true, it's right, it's proper, it makes us righteous. You see, often we approach the Bible as though we know it all, don't we? We talk about 2015, oh, we're preaching through Acts this year, and then Jonah this year, and you go, oh, I've done Acts again, I did that in 2007. As if you know everything there is to know about Acts. Often you approach a new year going, oh, I'm reading through the Bible again this year. I've done it so many times. We should be approaching the Bible going, wow, God, speak to me. Feed me, nourish me. Open my eyes to see glorious things in your word. But I say it again, you don't read the Bible to know about God. You, know the, you read the Bible to know God personally. Do you notice how the word for God in verse 1 is different to the word for God in verses 7 onwards? The word for God in verse 1 is just the almighty, the creator God, the powerful God. But when you come out to verse 7 onwards, the word used there is Yahweh, the personal name for God. Because God wants you to know him as your rock and your redeemer, verse 14. This is precious. This is the word of God. It is precious. See that in verse 10? They, that is the words of God, are, are, are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold. The psalmist is saying there, if you gave me a choice for 2015 between the largest amount of gold, the biggest bank balance, and the biggest wage increase, or the word of God, I take the word of God every day. He's saying in verse 10 that the word of God is sweeter than honey that comes from the honeycomb. When you've tasted it, it's so sweet on your lips. The sugary drips of honey, it tastes so good. That is the word of God. Uh, if you fight it, if you resist it, if you ignore it, then the scripture becomes unbelievably bitter but when you devour it and obey it, it is sweeter than honey. Like a double-edged sword, verse 11, it warns you and it rewards you. It tells you what not to do and it tells you the great reward in, in following God's ways. So as we approach 2015, let me ask you a few pointed questions. Do you really believe that this is the, the breathed out, inspired word of God? It's trustworthy, it's reliable, it's radiant. A more personal question, how, how important is the Bible in your life? 
Do you own a copy of the Bible? If you're here tonight and you don't own a Bible, please just take one home with you. Just take a church Bible home with you. If you do own one, how often do you open it? I don't want to guilt people here, but how often do you actually just open the Bible and sit with your Godhood and let him speak to you through the Scriptures? How do you approach it? Do you approach it sort of arrogantly thinking, oh, I've read this before, I've heard this before, or do you approach it expectantly going, Lord, show me a truth in this, in this Scripture, remind me of something today. If you've been a Christian for five years, for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years, do you still view the Bible as you first did when you first became a Christian? Remember those days? Lapping up the scriptures? And do you apply it? Do you live it? See, my fear is that at Church by the Bridge, we, we know about the Bible, we can quote the Bible, we love to talk about the Bible, but so often we just don't read it personally. And the psalmist would say, we're missing out. We're missing out on renewal, on wisdom, on gladness, on light, and on righteousness. If you're a follower of Jesus here, can I ask you and encourage you to make 2015 a year where you delight and rejoice in the Word of God? I fail and you fail. What, I'll be the 4th of January? I decided I was going to read the Bible every day in 2015. I've already failed. I'm on day four. That's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Pick up the Bible again. A few resources for you. I have got a slide, but I've got no projector. So, uh, Explore app. The Explore Bible reading notes, either in hard copy or on your iPad or on your iPhone. They're great Bible reading notes. They're, they're, these are on the newsletter for you. I, I'm, I'm using the REAP journal this year. That's read, explore, apply, and pray, R-E-A-P. It's a leather-bound journal with a, a, a Bible reading scheme in the front and a, a journal to write your notes and your prayer requests in there. That's what I'm using. I've done two out of the, two out of the four now. I can go home tonight. I've done two. Tonight I did number three. Um, for the Love of God by Don Carson. Read through the whole Bible in a year. Or just get the Bible app on your phone and there's lots of daily reading plans there. I love to memorize scripture because Psalm 119 tells me that you hide the word of God in your heart. And so I've used a topical, navigate, a topical memory system for navigators. I've used fighter verses, which is the Desiring God app. Memorize the word of God. And then pray it in. I'm using prayer, mate, this year to pray in the scriptures. Whatever works for you, just, just do it. Let's make 2015 a year where we rejoice and delight in the word of God. And we're revived and we're made wise and we're given joy and light from the word. So God's world reveals God's glory and God's word reveals God. There's a but. And there's a really big but. You see, we don't worship a book, do we? We don't worship the Bible. Who do we worship? We worship the Creator who has revealed Himself perfectly in the person of Jesus. 
And so when you open the scriptures, please don't just feed your mind. As you open the scriptures, you should be saying, I want to know Jesus better. I want to know my God better. I want to walk closely with my God this year. I think that's the end of the psalm, that when the psalmist thinks about the word of God, he comes face to face with himself. When he thinks about how glorious God is, he says in verse 12, well, who perceives my unintentional sins? I do. He does. I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need help, verse 13, from my willful sins. I need help that they won't rule over me. Verse 14, may the the words of my mouth, what I say and what I think about, the meditation of my heart, may they be acceptable to you, Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. He says, please forgive me for the sins I've committed. Please protect me from persistent sins. Please help me to be innocent and blameless. And please help my whole life, my words and my thoughts and my actions be pleasing to you because that's what it's about, isn't it? A relationship with God. And so as you approach 2015, may you be like the psalmist who wants to know God, who wants to be known by God, who wants to walk with God, who wants to worship God as your rock and your redeemer. Let me pray. How can we say there is no God? Our Father God, we do want to praise you. We want to worship you as our creator. Open our eyes to see glorious things in your world. Open our eyes to see things, to hear things, to feel things. And then lift our voices in praise to you, the glorious creator. Thank you, Father, for those men and those women who labored tirelessly to translate, <laughs> translate the scriptures into our own language. Thank you for how readily accessible the scriptures are to us. We do pray for those tribes around the world who still don't have the scriptures in their own tongue. Please raise up men and women to translate. And please help us, Lord, to approach your word with delight, with joy, with expectancy, with an eagerness to hear you speak. Lord, we want to know you, adore you, be transformed by you. So please change us through the scriptures and by your spirit this year. In Jesus' precious name.